Warning, the following podcast contains spoilers for the TV show mentioned in the title. You have been warned. What's the crack and welcome to the Three Halves Make a Whole podcast and this is our debut episode of our new series called the Three Halves Series Review. And we are reviewing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1. My name is Jason. I'm Jordan. And I'm John. We are very, very excited to review this because we all watched Mandalorian last year, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's another reason I'm really excited to review this as well. Because not only are we now ruining films for people, we're ruining TV series as well. It's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, that opens up a massive avenue and takes out more time out of our lives for something we're not getting paid to do. But we do it for you. All our 10 listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Three of which are probably us. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not me. I've listened to it enough in the editing process. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's fair. So let's start off with whether or not we actually liked the episode. John, did you like this episode? Yes, I did. That was a very tentative yes. That's fighting dog. That's fighting dog. That is. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jordan. Yes. You like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, d- I didn't quite catch that. What I said you? yes. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry. I think I'm hearing a no from Jordan. I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> we can now tell who's the biggest Star Wars fan. Nah, I'm sure not. <laughs> and Jason, what did you think? Yes, it's a yes, but not as much of a yes as I thought it would be. You want to die? You want to die? It is, I'm not it it's still a yes, but I'm being subjective. I need to be very honest here. Mine is only a yes because of one actor in this. And that's because I very much love a certain actor who shows up. And I don't want to say who it is before we get into spoilers, because I think that's a spoiler. So we are recording this on Monday, the 2nd of November, if people really want to know. Mando Monday. Mando Monday. And the episode literally just came out the Friday before. It came out at 7am. What time did you watch it, Jordan? See, I thought it came out at 7pm. I know you thought that. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched it at 7pm. John, what time, when did you watch the episode? Um, so I watched it this morning. Pleb. <laughs> Absolutely pleb. I watched it at around 10am. Whenever my girlfriend was staying with me, she'd always have her morning TV, so she'd watch this morning on ITV. She went to get a shower, and in that shower I was like, I'm going to watch some Mando. Last season, all the episodes were 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. This time it was like an hour, which I was so happy for. But I scheduled <laughs> 20 minutes out of my time to do it. I still watched it. I didn't stop. No, How did I stop? You? No, gross. <laughs> See, it was my partner who actually made me sit down and watch it. Yeah. We were like, oh, we'll have dinner and all that. And she was like, no, we'll watch it at seven. If, if it comes out at seven, because we both thought it came out at seven in the evening. She was like, no, we're watching it at seven. She loves Mandalorian just as much as me. 
She's not a bigger Star Wars nerd as me, though. For listeners, currently, Jason has the child in his camera view. And it is very cute. So I watched this this morning, mainly because I kept forgetting to watch it. And I have no other excuse. Did you manage to avoid the spoilers that the internet set out? I'm actually really good at avoiding spoilers, I find, because... Surprisingly, out of the three of us, I think I'm the least active on social media. I yeah, think that yeah. would be fair to say. Mm-hmm. So I kind of avoid stuff very well. Yeah, I got quite lucky because I was I'm one of those people, I'll scroll through Twitter just randomly, just like scroll and scroll and scroll. And the fact that I didn't see anything, I was like, I was quite surprised because I follow a lot of people who obviously woke up the minute it came out. Yeah, um, I used to have Twitter, but I got rid of Twitter years and years ago because it was so... Uh, I, mm, that's another story to go into, how bad Twitter can be. And yeah. I just kind of didn't want to be a part of that community. So I don't want to say anymore because I'll offend someone who loves Twitter. So I don't. I hate it. I hate myself <laughs> for liking it. <laughs> I'm mostly on like Facebook, YouTube and stuff. I haven't actually seen a spoiler at all. Mm. This whole I weekend. haven't seen one. No. Which People have been quite good. Me. See, I'll disagree because I don't know if it's the YouTubers I follow because I follow, I'm going to sound like more of a nerd, I follow a couple Star Wars accounts who go in, who do like what we do and break nerd. down. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, so immediately after I finished the episode, I was like, oh, I wonder, I'm going to quickly check a review, see what a couple other people saw. And they posted a big spoiler possibly the biggest spoiler of the episode, as their thumbnail. Oh, I hate when they do thumbnail spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So the title of it wasn't actually a spoiler, but the thumbnail really was. So I'm lucky I watched it before scrolling YouTube in the evening. So I was I clean, happy. I have a really, really, really good uh, summary here cool. by IMDB. <clears throat> the Mandalorian is drawn to the Outer Rim in search of others of his kind. You're like, no, that's good enough. That's good enough. That's good enough. Because that's no spoilers there. That's the episode. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. No, because that, like, that is literally what happens without any spoilers. What is it? <laughs> we'll get into it. Okay, let's start the review. Okay, so here it is, our... Spoiler review of Mando Season 2, Episode 1. The episode is called The Marshal. And it was dope. It was dope. It was dope. It was the same as the previous season. Yeah. Um, same but longer. It started off kind of the same way as the beginning of the last one, but just slight differences to how we saw Mando go to the pub area club thing. Yeah. But the doors opened up the same way as it did in the first episode. I think that's what Star Wars does a lot. They like calling back to previous things, kind of not rehashing, but tribute mm. to like the first of series. And I think the way they did it with this was really good because it is. We we saw what happened in the last season, and it's almost it's pretty much it feels like an almost immediate continuation after that point. I had one problem with this, and I don't know if this was just me, but I found the opening too dark. Lighting wise, I struggled to see some of the things that were going on, especially the opening uh, couple of shots. And I was wondering, oh, is this my monitor playing up? And in the end, it wasn't. 
I don't think my monitor was playing up because I tried. To, I played it on a different device and I still found it too dark. I had no issues. I thought, it, like, for the setting that it was, I think mm. it worked quite nice. Yeah, I had no issues as well. I thought it was lovely. It was mysterious. And to be honest, for me, I thought I wish I saw less. It would have been cool to still have the Mando and the person walking in mysteriously. Like we don't, we didn't know exactly who it was and then it just panned up to Baby Yoda because Baby Yoda's the cutest. Oh my God. I will, I, I'm one of those people. I don't care if you call it Baby Yoda or the child. It's cute. I don't care because I know people get real mad about it. But I prefer to call him or her Baby Yoda mm-hmm. just because sometimes calling him the child out of context just sounds creepy. Um, oh, I love the child. I can't wait to see the child. Yeah, no, now you've said it out loud, it does sound really weird. <laughs> because of the child and, mm-hmm. you know, like, I have the child here. Like, no, that's not good. I want to get a stuffed child. <laughs> I want to get a stuffed child. That's such a weird thing to say as well. Exactly. So I prefer Baby Yoda, but it is called the child. We all know that. So we get into it. Um, well, one thing that I got confused about was whenever he was in that fighting ring, mm-hmm. uh, the two aliens that were fighting in the ring, what are they? Gamorians. Gamorians. They were taller than I remember them in other things. Yeah, because they're originally featured in uh, Return of the Jedi, Jabba's in Jabba's Palace. Palace, episode six. I can't remember how tall they are in that, if I'm honest. But yeah, they do seem quite tall. Yeah, I thought they were quite stocky in Jabba's, mm. but... I didn't have a problem with that, ironically. I thought that was just the perspective. We were seeing it from the camera angle. Right. Because they were from lower angles, so they were meant to look bigger, I think, from the lower angle of being outside the boxing ring or fighting mm. pit. This whole starting section on this planet, we didn't really need it. No. We didn't need it. However, it was cool. It was nice. I feel like it was exposition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tiny bit. I am... Um, I had a problem with the uh, one-eyed alien that talks to him quite a lot, mainly not because of anything wrong with the acting side. It was actually more on the makeup side. The eye wasn't actually looking at the Mandalorian when it was meant to be, or it was slightly off and it looked like it was looking in different directions when it should have been looking at him. And I thought that was just a failure on the makeup side and the prosthetics. So I didn't really believe that was an alien and I was just seeing someone in a suit. I couldn't dispend my disbelief with that alien. I, I, I would argue that type of makeup and stuff is just token Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of like that. It's not completely there, but in this day and age, you could still have the person in makeup and just CGI the eye. The reason why I don't excuse it is because later on in the episode, they do really fantastic stuff with their makeup, their prosthetics, their yeah, CGI. Yeah. And this just feels like a moment where they kind of almost rushed it. It felt like they just were like, ah, episode needs to go out. Don't matter about that eye. And that small detail, it was, it's just little details sometimes push me out of an episode. I feel like this is, because obviously in season one, there are aliens, but they're never really that close to the Mando. They're always in the background or just passing mm-hmm. shots. So I think doing it for them, that is easier. But when you get it to like, you're sitting next to this alien. That's when I think it does fail a little bit. I didn't really notice it as much. I was just like, cool. But yeah, I think it was just a, a set piece that was to, sh- to remind people how, how badass Mando is. Kind of remind us where 
where we are in the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all that this piece was to still, even know that Mando is now looking after this child, he's still brutal AF. And even baby Yoda knows it. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit. That was a lovely moment of that comedy. Was, yeah, was but it was ruined, ruined in the, the trailer. Truth. Yeah. I didn't watch any of the trailers. Oh, so okay. I came into everything blind. Because I know trailers ruin too much. So I feel yeah. like Jason and I were too excited for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting that little moment where the baby Yoda goes back into the pod and closes it up. I thought it was so well timed comedically that mm-hmm. I actually laughed out loud at it. Totally. Because I knew what was coming. I knew he was going to kick their asses. But that little moment just made me relieved the tension a little bit which was nice so what happens is is he gets to the cyclops dude and the cyclops dude was supposed to be someone that could help him yeah but then was like uh no i just actually want your armor blah 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 then mando catches him hangs him upside down he reveals that he has to go to tantooine yeah um, and then mando promises not to kill him but he left him for dead and the exact line creatures. which is so well done is I'm not going to, I won't kill you with my hands. And he sticks to it. (laughs) He doesn't. Uh, I don't know if I like that line, honestly. (laughs) Not for anything the Mandalorian does wrong with it, because it's a fine line. But I think it's one of those lines that gets overused a lot of the time when you know, I knew he was going to, somehow he was going to get this Mm -hmm. person killed. And then him saying, I won't kill you with my hand. I was like, okay, what contrived way is he going to leave him for dead here? And I thought it would have been nicer just leaving him hanging, but he shoots a light and all these creatures that we haven't seen before suddenly light up. And it was like, that's a bit contrived for me personally. I don't know, because I feel that if we left him hanging, that would have been cliche. I think because he shot the light, no, he is actually going against his word because if he hadn't shot the light, he'd still be alive. I Mm. Honestly, I was half expecting him to go, I won't, you won't die by my hand. And then he shot him and he goes, technically it's a blast. I was like, well, technically he killed him by a blaster. I was hoping, <laughs> I was so hoping that the child was going to do it. Just choke him. I was slightly hoping, it was like, Mando, have you taught this child bad things? Well, he just thinks he's a wizard, doesn't he? He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's a magical space wizard. Do you know, because we don't, we're not sure how much time has passed. Right. There wasn't yet. really any indication i presumed from how it was set up and the um so they do a recap of season one at the very start of the episode Mm -hmm. don't they um i thought it had maybe been a week maybe a few days it didn't feel like a massive time had passed i'm not sure because we've seen i've seen characters who are making a return and i've seen like their costume design and stuff they look a tiny bit older so i don't know how Mm. much See, I feel like we'll find out in the last yeah. year. Yeah, for me, I feel like it's longer than... It, it feels like it's immediate, but at the same time, stuff that happens later on kind of twigs me to the idea that it's a bit longer mm-hmm. because of stuff that he does, Yeah, which I will get mm-hmm. into. So we get to uh, Tantooine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to go back to Tantooine. It's always a fan favourite. Can I just... You're saying it wrong. Go on. It's Tatooine, not Tantooine. Sorry, Tatooine. Thank you. Tatooine. <laughs> Got it. Tatooine. John, I swear to God. Tatooine. And we come back. And it was great to see your your woman back from the first mm-hmm. season. Uh, I love seeing her back. She's very funny. And we kind of saw a little aspect of Mando liking droids a bit now. Yes. Because of IG in the first season. Which is kind of, kind of cute. He, he lands in Mos Eisley, which mm-hmm. is 
the town that everyone knows, blah, blah, blah. But then we has to go to Moss Pelgos. Yes. Which I thought was really cool because we haven't really been to a town, another town before. The only one we've heard about is Moss Esper. And that, that's in extended stuff like the shows or whatever. So or I was I was quite excited about because I always get annoyed in sci-fi movies and sci-fantasy movies and all. Anything that deals with like space travel is whenever there's a whole planet and for somehow they all like arrive at the same point. I'm like, there's a whole planet. Why don't you just... And it orbits. How does everyone go to like the same point and if there's like a barricade? Do you know like there's like there's a blockade mm-hmm. and they can't get just through go around. the blockade? Go to the other side of the planet. It's like um, every single alien disaster movie, they land in America and destroy the White House sort of thing, isn't it? That feeling of, oh, why are we always coming? Why are aliens always landing in America? Or oh, why are we always going to the same place on Tatooine? But I'll get in I, trouble for saying this. They deserve it. <laughs> I can say that. Uh, My partner's American. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not political on this show. Yay! <laughs> Elections. Let's not. It makes sense because it's a spaceport and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it always just frustrates me. It's like, can we not just see yeah. more of the planet? I quite it was like nice to see, more, to see more. It was nice yeah. to see a lot more of the planet. It was kind of like we were learning more about the world and there's more of that later on in the episode, which I really liked. Um, so he goes to this Mos Pebbles and it's tiny compared to Mos Eisley. I, um, I really actually like the design of the town. It called a lot back to the old westerns, which I really liked actually from it being like a narrow street for the dueling street and then the sides and it wasn't massive it was like almost like a um startup town in the old west mm-hmm. and i really yeah. really liked that if you've played red dead one it's like armadillo almost and yeah, i really yeah. loved that i will say this episode had more of a western feel than any episode that's been before because the way i view it is it's a sci-fi western the yes. way and, and mando was a gunslinger he's yes. a white hat gunslinger yeah, I think that's been their intention since season right. one, is that it's a sci-fi western, definitely. And, and I think this episode across. pushes it more than any other. I guess it, it pushes more of the western stuff. I feel like that episode with, with Bill Burr was, mm-hmm. Very, mm-hmm. was very westerny in my eyes, of like how there's just a band of outlaws go out and do this. It just had a massive sci-fi setting. Um, but it was a Western story. I've always caught this Western angle of it because uh, The Mandalorian to me has always felt like a Western just told in space and especially in the um, big shootout between, um, oh my gosh, my brain's gone, season one. Um, uh, Wait, are you on about the head of the bounty hunter league? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. That, oh, like, yeah. In, yeah. In the street, that battle is feels like the... Um, cowboys versus the indians almost that sort of trope in the western mm-hmm. especially when the mandalorians all fly in with their weapons that feels like oh, that so good. good indians coming to the aid of the lone gunslinger against the town of bandits on his way to the town doesn't he meet up with some oh oh my god my brain has tuscan raiders tuscan raiders thank you and um, he meets he meets them which we saw in the first season that mm-hmm. he he knew how to communicate with them. Yeah, they use a form of is, sign language. Yeah, which is quite cool because if you think about it with, if you go back to the, that Western idea, mm-hmm. is you did have the cowboy characters who were friendly with Native Americans and they knew how to communicate with them whilst everyone else saw them like savages. 
Right. So it really, yeah. yeah, it really does bring. Do you know what? I agree with you, Jordan. This one does feel it's because all those little intricacies yeah. that you feel. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, so then we get to the town and he's looking for somebody who's wearing the same armor as him. So he's looking for another Mandalorian. And then we see. I screamed. I screamed as well. (laughs) I'm so glad you screamed, but I immediately know it wasn't them. No, because, well, I wrote down in my notes straight away, Boba Fett. I screamed Boba Fett, but then I went, wait, no, he's too skinny. Too skinny. It was a bit premature. (laughs) I had the opposite reaction to you both. I kind of went, oh, it's Boba Fett. And then they took off the helmet and I kind of girlish squealed because it's Timothy motherfucking elephant as the marshal. <laughs> I love him so much! <laughs> we screamed for uh, different reasons, John, but their feelings there. But you're also wrong for just saying, oh, it's Boba Fett. You're wrong. Anyway, oh, yeah, moving on. Same one. No, it's Boba Fett, but you're wrong for just going, uh, about it. It's an yeah. important thing. It's not. So this martial dude, played by Timothy Oliphant, was wearing Boa Fett's armor, which is very interesting. It's kind of like, um, you know, the Skywalker saber. How did he get the mm-hmm. blah blah blah? And um, but we actually get an answer for it, but not really so much because we still don't know how he got how the armor got yeah, to the jaw was. Anyway, I kind of disagree with you because we get a remark later on in the episode, which can kind of explain how the Jawas got the armor oh you're about because a sarlock uh yeah. sarlock was eaten mm-hmm. different one yeah I, I would call it a different one and if it was eaten then it would have been still in the cave or with the crate dragon well it depends if we're counting extended universe stuff because it's... we can't because disney got rid of it <laughs> yeah, yeah so technically it's not <laughs> well i kind of accepted i accepted that the jawas got it after the sarlock was eaten I, that's how I saw it, and I think that's a fair explanation for it. I have another theory, Good. and it's related to the extended universe that is no longer canon. So in the extended universe, Boba Fett gets out by... All Mandalorians have a flamethrower, correct? It, he basically broke his, so all of the fuel went at once and burnt the Sarlacc, and he... He basically fired his way out by breaking everything he owns. And then on his way out, he threw a thermal detonator into the Sarlacc and killed it. I hope that's true. Because I do. Everyone, my issue with Boba Fett, okay, I've got an issue with him. Everyone loves him. I think he's a I'm going to say something. He's the most overrated character in the Star Wars canon and doesn't deserve the status that he has if you go purely off the movies. Right. Yep. Because he has like maybe shows up for five or six scenes and then gets killed. If we're going, I did air quotations there. Yes. I mean, it it has to be air quotations now. Yeah. Because what they've done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Boba Fett got kind of cooler in like the series in the Mm -hmm. Clone Wars series because you see Boba as a young person, but Mm. still, like, he just he goes out like a punk. He doesn't actually do much either, I don't think. He's always just kind of just a guy stood there. Yeah, he, he, he didn't capture Han Solo. He gets upstaged in every single scene he is because he's in the scene with Darth Vader deflecting mm-hmm. the bullets, isn't he? Yep, yep. And it's like, okay, Jang, uh, sorry, Boba Fett's there, but Darth Vader's really the star here. He's always kind of second fiddle and mm-hmm. doesn't... 
and mm. I can I can understand why he's so popular because of his cool design and all of that. And there's a lot of mystery around him. But if you were literally being pragmatic and looking at the facts about this is what he does, he's not actually that cool. He's kind of lame and a dork. I would disagree with all of that because <laughs> no, this is. Before Disney got before the Disney universe happened, Boba Fett had good reason to be cool because of all the expanded universe stuff. He had so many, like there were so many comic books that, about him. There were books, entire books about him, everything like that. There were like stories, and there's a reason why he was so much loved. But now Disney, when Disney went, none of that counts. That's when he became lame. I will disagree with that point because it's retroactively fixing his character. I'm saying. As me, someone who's quite casual with Star Wars, who's really not really engaged with the extended universe stuff that much. To me, he's kind of just, he's a character. And when I saw his armor, I was like, oh, that's a neat reference. I wasn't like, oh my God, he's back. I was like, oh, that's a neat reference. I like that. I think it's because there was loads of rumors going mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. this season. There were so rumors of so many different characters who are going to be in it. And there was a big rumor about Boba Fett being in it. When we saw Boba Fett's armor, we squealed like little girls. And then when it wasn't him, I was like, ah, oh. I got so annoyed. I was like, right. Is the, it, my brain was like, is that why people were rumoring it? Because Boba's armor was just being made and people were like, oh my God, Boba Fett's coming back. Boba Fett's coming back. So I was like, oh, Boba Fett's not actually in it. Okay. See, the reason I screamed is because I saw the armor and I went, I had the thing as like, how did he get out? And if his armor survived, then surely he would have. And that was kind of me starting to jump and well, leap. <laughs> no, because I assumed that because I assumed that the um, the best core was so tough mm -hmm. that it didn't get like dissolved in stomach acid or something like that. Well, because we see at the end of this episode that in a monster that can kill the Sorlax, our Mandalorian doesn't get his armor dissolved. Mm -hmm. So I agree with Jason there. But I want to make a point, though. I think it's very unfair for people, because of rumours, to go, ah, oh, it's not Boba Fett for me personally, because I think Timothy Oliphant in this episode is magnificent. And He's very a, good. There's a slight bias there, because if you don't know, I love Timothy Oliphant. He's in uh, Santa Clarita Diets. He's in Scream 2. He's in a lot of my movies and TV shows that I love. He's in The Crazies, which is a horror movie from 2010, which I think kind of gets overlooked, but he's great in that. So seeing him in this episode and really acting his ass off was great. And I love that reveal of him taking off the helmet because I kind of went, that's going to probably annoy someone, but it didn't annoy me. It made me happy. I have never seen him act before. <sighs> I have never, I had heard of him, but I'd never seen him act. I have seen mm. him act before when he was playing himself in The Good Place. Oh, yes. yes, sorry, yeah, he was in The Good Place. I have seen him then. I just don't remember him. He's also in The Office. He's in lots. He's in a lot of things. Yeah, I was I was excited to see him, because I never seen him act before, but I was at the same time disappointed that it wasn't Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. But I agree, he was amazing in this episode. Right. I think thematically, it was amazing that just that zoom in after his reveal of the helmet on our Mandalorian, and how even with no emotion, no physical facial emotion, you can tell he's livid mm -hmm. in taking that helmet off because yeah. he's just basically got, gone to his whole religion. 
I don't care about it. I'm, t I'm wearing your armor. What are you going to do about it? And it's brilliant because you can tell how angry he is from barely any, um, no facial emotions, just how he stands and how the camera looks around him. I think that's, that's kind of, John Favreau directed this episode. He's an amazing director. Mm -hmm. Like Iron Man 1 may not have been the best Marvel film ever, but I really loved it. He's a great director for me. And this episode is mm, mwah, chef's kiss. Iron Man's probably one of the best MCU films, but that's my hot take. I'm I, I love it high. too. I just wasn't sure if any of you would love it. I um, so we get, um, then they're, they're, like, they're like chatting and stuff, and then there's an earthquake. But it's not an earthquake, it's a creature. Uh, they're about to duel. Yeah, they're, they was about to have a old-fashioned oh, West right. yeah. yeah, instead of chatting, it's uh, Timothy Oliphant makes some comments of, oh, are you going to, do you really want this? And um, the Mandalorian Take goes, it off. takes it off and is really adamant. So they get ready to duel and then we get the earthquake because we get this really nice way of them breaking the tension because I was like, is Timothy Oliphant character about to die here by being a cheat and trying to shoot him hand solo style but mm -hmm. no we got this earthquake and so we got this nice characterization of timothy oliphant's character being quite honorable and not drawing in that distraction to try and shoot yeah um, and we have, we have this earthquake which is actually a creature that's going through the center of the town and then it goes over to a bantha and mm -hmm. eats the bantha which i was like per bantha but it's your fault um, and we have this really cute moment with the child and the child th throughout this whole scene with the, with the marshal and stuff, the child is trying to like drink out of like this, like vase. And then when we go back to the child after the earthquake, the child has gone into the vase to hide. Cheat! It's the fact that you just see his little hands and he just pokes his little head up. Yeah, uh, the creature's called a Cryrat dragon, I believe. I'm not completely sure on the pronunciation. Great dragon. Great dragon, that's it. Um, I was looking more at the spelling, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah I, that's fair. I thought it was like a Sorlac mm -hmm. to begin with, because I was like, oh, is that how Sorlacs move around? Because we have never seen a Sorlac move around. I was like, oh, do they move around? I thought maybe they just stayed in one place, but they don't do that. Um. So Timmy Oliphant and Mando, um, he, they strike up a deal. If Mando helps kill the dragon, he gets the armor. So they go off to try and to, to try and find the dragon to kill mm. it, and they meet some Tuscan Raiders. But they meet they meet the wee dog things. Yeah, that we were have in seen Attack them the before. Clones, yeah, in Attack of the Clones. That was a nice callback. Yeah, so I call back to Attack of the Clones. We've seen them before, and. Timmy Oliphant really doesn't like the Tuscan Raiders because they've been at odds. And, but Mando quite likes the Tuscans. Um, is kind of like the... the He's the go-between, really. Yeah, isn't he? yeah. Go-between. The translator, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so they kind of break up a deal. Mm -hmm. And things are... They're keep, the Marshal and the Tuscans keep button heads. But what the cool thing about Mando is that he's he he says the same things to both of them, and they're both rude, and it's basically just you know sit down and shut up or we're all gonna die. 
or if you don't which get is a fair point time, which i quite like it was like he's just as normal uh, well not normal but he's he treats the Tuscan Ra- yeah treats his tuscan readers the same way as he would treat people who look the same as like him i mean i feel like he doesn't he's not really caring who you are what like what you do he's i think the mandalorians are a people of you earn respect and you're all that they're all there to do the same thing so why fight? We get this nice um, underlying subtext of uh, that sort of Western angle of the Native Americans versus the new settlers, which is based off discrimination, the dreaded R word, and um, years of terrible things happening, which I think is too dif- difficult to unpack in a Mandalorian review. Yeah. Right. But we get a nice allude to it here. And especially with uh, our Mandalorian being equal of them shows that we've got this nice, almost recreation of that. Mm-hmm. So we, the Tuscan readers bring Mando and the Marshal to the Create Dragons like cave, home, bed, which used to be a Sarlacc pit until the dragon ate the Sarlacc. So, you know, it's like, okay, the dragon's a bit of a badass. It's pretty big, because Sarlacc's are pretty bloody big. Yes. So uh, they bring it a bait, which is a bantha. And a mm-hmm. Tuscan reader gives it to him and calls out with their Tuscan call. And that Tuscan reader runs away. But the dragon's <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm okay. I don't want the bantha. And eats the Tuscan reader. This made me laugh so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like the panther's just there and he's like, hmm, a lot of meat. Tiny little meat. <laughs> just, uh. Oh, something we haven't mentioned. Speeders. Yes, this is a good find. I'm glad you caught it too. Um, the, the Mando's using the speeder that he used in, in the first season. So pretty generic Imperial speeder. Mm-hmm. But the Marshal is using parts of a pod racer. Specifically, Anakin's pod racer. I mean, I don't know about that. It looks identical. No, it looks identical because it has the yellow uh, roundy bits. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So it's, I get it's, not I- it's not identical, though it's, it appears to be a recreation or rebuild from those parts. Yeah. Um, but I yes, it was very it. cool. I was like, oh my God, it's a pod race. Because um, th- that's, no, that's the first what I call time... pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time we really saw a pod race since Phantom Menace so it was quite cool to, to bring it all back because um, obviously you would so they realised that oh, we don't really have enough people to, mm-hmm. to fight the dragon so they need to get some more volunteers and the marshal's like yeah cool let's do it who are we going to get and the man was like well I volunteered your people so shit one <laughs> there's, there's a nice moment before that where he, they've got a skeleton and they've got these little dice and they, they were like that's not to scale is it and then you just see the mando and he turns and goes yeah that's to scale <laughs> and it's just a, oh okay yeah okay so um sorry i wanted to go back to a point we were talking about how did the jowers get the armor yeah i think i found out how it's based off the extended universe because Marvel in 1983 published a uh, Star Wars issue 81 titled Jowers of Doom, which shows the Jowers finding the armor with Fett still wearing it and then they take it off him. 
and Cove Vanth, or the Marshal, is based off the no novel from 2015 called Aftermath. And that's yes. how he, that's how he, and that's the tale we get told in this. Cool. Awesome. I'm going to that. Bring that up, because I think that's a fair way of describing how the Jawas got the armor. What One thing that annoyed me about this, flat, there's a flashback scene on about how, uh, how Oliphant kind of became the marshal and got the yeah. armor, which kind of annoyed me was that whenever he was escaping after the mining collective tried to take over their town straight after the, the Death Star blew up, he took um, took something out of their speeder as he ran away, uh, which is in the ice cream machine, which is a, yes, just a I'm nice... I'm glad you mentioned that. That's which just, is just, just a nice callback. Yeah, it's just yeah, a cheeky... Um, which they had in the first season as well. Yes. Um, and it was filled with like valuable crystals. But as he was escaping, he collapses and the Jawas kind of rescue him and they bring him onto the ship and they open it whilst he's sitting to the side there. And the thing that pisses me off is that they try to trade things for his crystals, but they mm -hmm. have these crystals in, his, in their possession. They could just shock him and leave him. Exactly. That's what they would do. That's what they did to Mando, essentially. With they did the Mando, apparently that's what they did to Boba. Mm -hmm. you no, know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I agree. It doesn't. I agree. I, I completely agree, though I will offer... A, I'm going to offer a reason why I justified it in my head, because I did agree, and I still agree. I don't think this solves it completely. But I thought maybe, oh, maybe because he's lived on Tatooine for so long, he's had other runnings with the Jawas and has treated them fairly. So they are trying to be fair back to him. Maybe they remembered him. Maybe that's why they saved him. That's a, yeah, that's a good reason. That, it doesn't excuse it because it's not mm. shown in the episode. That's why. So you can yep. take that as a grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, and these are very nitpicks. I still loved mm. this episode. These are small grievances because we're reviewing it and we have to bring them up. Right. Yeah. Don't add us on Twitter. Or do. We can converse. So what they're going to do is try and convince... Oh, in the flashback... Something that was cool, um, which apparently was they did because it was based off the toy range of Boba Fett, was um, Timmy the Oliphant with the Boba Fett's armor. As the mining collective are like running away from him, he shoots a missile out of his jetpack, which is actually wasn't originally designed, but it was designed for the toy. And they mm -hmm. included that, which I thought was cool. Because whenever they were like going away and he was walking, I was like, oh, missile, missile, missile. Yes. <laughs> that I, is, um, I quite like that scene because he shot yeah. a load of them. But maybe not everyone, not everyone, people, well, the story would have got around that Boba Fett died or he was in the Starlight Pit. But he, in the Star Wars universe, to those people, he is a badass. Even if it's to us, he's not. In their universe, they know him and they know he's a badass. Hmm. I honestly think just seeing that armor put the fear of Star Wars God in them because that that has so many connotations. If you see Boba Fett or Boba Fett armor, you know you're in trouble. I I was going to say I really loved this scene because we've not seen Tommy Oliphant's character fight up until this point, mm -hmm. so... We, you could presume, oh, maybe it's all folklore, it's all exaggerated, but he's he though he fights different to how the Mandalorian fights, he is absolutely badass, and he kind of encapsulates that Clint Eastwood character, I think, a little better, especially with the standing still and then the draw, and then um, getting shot, 
to continue shooting. And I got this very sense of this is Clint Eastwood, this is the lone gunslinger. He's not Clint Eastwood. Not as Mando. Cool. Mando is Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Timmy Oliphant is John Wayne. Yeah, mm. I'll give you that. That's a, I was going to go, actually, I would say more that um, John Wayne is the Mandalorian. No, because John Film-wise. Wayne... No, because John Wayne is... Like film parallel. Is like charism- charismatic and a bit more lighthearted, and that's what Timmy Oliphant... Clint Eastwood is a bit more rugged. I don't know if you two noticed this, but Timmy Oliphant's blaster is based off a Western Magnum. He had the, his his gun looks like a six shooter. If you look at it when you get that close up of him drawing and firing, it has the same profile as a six shooter, and that was really fun to see. That's pretty cool. See, and the the reason why I would more compare Oliphant to John, no, Clint Eastwood than Mandalorian to Clint Eastwood is because of how we've seen the development of the Mandalorian. He comes across as a more John Wayne cowboy, very much uh, reluctant, but then becoming more charismatic to those and having those more personal stories of having someone close to these protect him. We'll agree to disagree. And I think that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to this battle with the, with the great dragon. And what they do is they dig up holes and put explosives underneath so they want to explode underneath the ground because apparently the underbelly of the crit dragon is the most, most vulnerable point which isn't true because we see later <laughs> and it, you know it kind of goes as well as it can the crit dragon they start off the fight and actually this is something I saw like I read about rather than I noticed it when watching it Apparently, the ratios changed in this fight. I didn't notice that. Yeah, apparently, that's just to make it make the creature I can see bigger by changing the ratio. Uh, okay. I didn't notice it when it went back mm-hmm. to to the normal ratio because I was like, "Oh, it's a bit weird," but that made more sense. So they have this fight, which is kind of cool, but also the the, the people with the Mandalorian armors were like standing back the whole time, letting the pawns do all the work. Yeah, and only when did it go wrong did they step in so we have the fight and it goes wrong because the explosives don't work as well so Mando and the marshal start to get involved and they jetpack up to this kind of mountain hill thing because the crit dragon's like going full hungry snake mm-hmm. in it and it's like being really cool and massive this is the scene that made me think the timeline was maybe a bit longer because when we see him use the jetpack in the last episode of season one, he's kind of like struggling with it. And he's not as... Even even the... Um, I can't remember the character's name, but the, for, the person who forges his armour, even they say that he needs to train with it and practice with it to get better at it. So that makes me think there's been a bit more time than we think between that season to now. As much as I want to believe that, I kind of think that it was just a moment of the writers forgot more than, oh, there's been a big passage of time. I think there hasn't been a massive, but I think his skill with the jetpack was kind of something they kind of went, do we want to devote a massive arc to him learning to fly or do we kind of want to go, he can just kind of use it okay-ish. And I think that's what they went with over that. He could use it at the end 
mm -hmm. previously just needed to refresh his memory. So I'm thinking it's like a month, maybe two months, three right. months, not years. Like no, I don't think it's years months. at all. I think it is. I think it's long. Most people like at first, I was like, okay, so this is probably going to take place immediately afterwards. Mm. But then when I saw that scene, I was like, okay, there's probably like up to maybe month or two after. Yeah. And he's been following the trail, trying to find information. But I do think that we're going to find out later in the episodes. These type yeah, of yeah. series, kind of like The Witcher, you learn more about the series as the series goes on rather yeah. than in the first episode, um, which makes it very exciting. It's very <laughs> interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what we've said now that's wrong by the end. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really interesting, especially with organic series like this that develop and change. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Mm. Um, so they start fighting and stuff, and it's not going very well. They're not doing very well. And then Mando's like, oh, I need an idea. So he has an idea, which was a stupid idea. It's a stupid idea. Um, and he basically gets eaten by the dragon with a bantha that has loads of explosions. Stupid idea. That was so stupid. What I will say, though, is it is also pretty cool, purely for the fact that... Um, lost train of thought a minute. Oh, it is cool, because we see essentially what happened to Boba Fett in episode six happen again. Mando hits the jetpack, and the marshal goes flying, just like it happened to Boba Fett. So that jetpack still isn't fixed. <laughs> just bam. That's a good point. I personally... I saw them having to go inside the beast. That's yes. what I thought the original yeah. plan was because they were loading it up onto the... Sorry, what are the name of the animals again? Banthers. Banthers. Okay, so they're loading up the banthers and I thought they were going to put them out as bait and they were going to eat it and then detonate it. So when they were digging, I was like, well, this isn't going to work. And that took me out of the last third because I think there was an already stronger idea and then they went to this other idea that was clearly not going to work, especially if this is a massive creature that's almost unkillable. Of course, it's going to be weaker if you go inside it. Yeah, just... but, I, but then again, if they just had done that, it would have been a very, very easy and they'd have no episode. Yeah, no, I know that. I know it was done for that sort of thing, but because yeah. I had clicked it, I kind of switched off because it was like, it's going to fail. Oh, it's failed. Ramsey going to get eaten. Oh, it's getting eaten. Boom. Oh, wow, I'm so surprised. And I yeah, I feel like this episode was quite predictable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But it was mm. still dope. It was still cool. The, the Crit Dragon being CGI looked great. Yeah, it looked fantastic. And that actually has quite a lot of implications for the Star Wars universe, because Crit Dragon's eggs that we see at the end is mm -hmm. the Tuscans find this egg. Mm -hmm. They actually, or pearl, sorry, it's a pearl. They have a lot of energy in them. Uh, in the Star Wars universe, they're used for powering things. Mm, interesting. So they explode the, the Great Dragon, um, which was in a really cool explosion, was really, really big. And the Tuscans are now like harvesting it because that was part of the deals. They can, hus they can harvest it and they won't bother the villagers anymore. Unless the, uh, the villagers shoot first. Yeah. Um, sounds like where I'm from. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's what it is. You see, no, you I, see know. In the murals. I know. <laughs> it's, it says in the murals, it's like, we've, we have them peace, but we're always ready to fight. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's a contentious yes. relationship <laughs> yep. between the Tuscans because 
as we know, the Tuscan Raiders. It's in their name. <laughs> yeah. I really like the Tuscans in this because all we see in the movies are the Tuscans are these savages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is barely the case on natives of, an, of, of a place. They're, never, they're not really savages. They're just protecting their land that they're in. And only in the first season did we see that they had, a, they had some form of intelligence because they have their own language. And then we got to see their culture even more in this. And I really appreciate, I really like seeing that. There's obviously some dark connotations with their culture, especially based off raiding and all of that. But I did really like that attention to detail that they did bring them to have a culture, that they aren't just mindless drones wandering the wastes. They're a thinking, breathing people. And I like that a lot. I was going to bring that up, but Jason brought it up first. You're welcome. Thank you. So we have the end of the episode. Mando gets the the armor and then he's speeding away, isn't he? And yep. then we see the back of a character. We don't know who this character is. We see the two suns setting. And then the character turns around and we see his face. And we know. And we know it's the actor who played Django Fett. And Boba Fett is a clone of Django Fett who ages normally. So that means it's Boba Fett. It's Boba Fett. <laughs> John, you have to join this. You have to just say it. Yeah, Tamoria Morrison is the actor's name. No, f- say it. Say say no. the words, please. Well, we've got to presume that it's uh, Boba Fett. No, it has to. No, it has, no, it no, physically no, has to no. be. No, because no, no, of the no, aging. No, 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 he's left out a word. Yeah, he did. There's going to be a lot of beeps during this. <laughs> You gotta say it, or it's gonna be the um, two halves make a whole podcast. Bubba, my fing fat. There we go, you added the word. Yeah. We can beep it so it'll sound like it. you said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to presume it because he's also the actor who was the clones. I know the aging and I know all that, but we do have to make a presumption. And I'm, you're probably right, it's probably gonna be Bubba Fett. But we have to be take in mind that they could pull a sneaky on us and go, it's not Boba Fett. This could be Boba Fett's dead and this is his son or this is someone else. We don't know. I don't know. We've got to keep that sort of, eh. I like to keep that level of just in case because they could lead you up for disappointment here. They really could. Jason and I are happy to be disappointed. We don't give a f- It's Boba Fett. <laughs> we are hyped up. We, yeah. Nothing can destroy the hype. For the listeners, I immediately text Jason, knowing that he would have watched it, and going, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The thing is, is that I believe that's the same character that we saw at the end of the first season, Pantomine episode. Yes, I believe that is as well. Mm. And we have, uh, he took, what's the actress's name? Played Melinda May in Agent I don't Shield. The voice we should Mulan. we should probably write down the characters or act people's yeah, names. We should probably should do that. Uh, but anyway, so that was the end of the episode. Nothing else to go off. Went out to try and find other Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Was told to find a Mandalorian Tantooine. Doesn't find one, and we don't have any anywhere else to go. He hasn't left the planet yet. So unless the second episode features Boba Fett, we shall see. Because it's almost like Boba Fett's tracking him. Slightly, yeah. And that excites me. I don't know why he would. Why? What's his game? He wants his armor back. (laughs) I have some notes. Oh, here we go. And now it's time 
for another Jason's Quick Rants. Are you ready, Jason? Ready. Three, two, one. Bantha Skeleton, cool, cool. Cool to see another Tatooine time. Boba fed prematurely. Baby Yoda is cute. Pod Racer Speeder, dope. Ice cream machine. Miss was sick. Baby Yoda is cute. Dragon is a boss. Acid vomit. The Mando's charge. Stupid Mando. Was that an egg? Boba feck you. Baby Yoda is cute. Baby Yoda is cute. Baby Yoda is cute. Baby Yoda is cute. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, no, that, those are pretty good notes. Those last few, yeah, especially. Just, well, he, he didn't really do much this episode. Yeah, but you don't want to rely on Baby Yoda. I want to rely on Baby Yoda. No, but like, because that's the thing. The last season, there was a reason to show him a lot. We know who he is. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is more of a story and he we will see more of him in each episode i'm kind of glad we didn't get overloaded with him today yeah oh in that episode sorry i really liked this episode i did but i think as with all star wars it's kind of heated with my own expectations of what i wanted to happen but if you take a step back and i don't think about my expectations this is a really good episode oh there was um the cgi looked a bit janky at some points there was a lot of jank in this episode a i feel lot like of jank. the way they do the sets especially those wide ones it is a live system they use mm. i don't know if you I'm, I'm sure i don't know if you know this john jason i presume you know how they do yeah, yeah. so when we get these expanse sets it's not a set it's all cgi what he means it's not a blue screen or a green screen Right, it's it's a it's essentially a screen that they edit on the fly, and they can add yeah. rocks and take away rocks it's, and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is, and it's three hundred and sixty, so it makes filming easier because you can place cameras in there as well. I think there was some problems with some of the physical things they definitely mm-hmm. had on set because when they're pulling something up from the earthquake, it looked so light that it looked like when they pulled it up it looked like they'd pulled it too much. And instead of it being like heavy, like, oh, it's now stopping in place, it kind of went, oh, hang on, we've pulled that too much. Quickly pull that into place, no one noticed. Yeah, yeah, fair. But that's a comment I did need to make. This episode, I normally don't comment on things like this, but the background actors in this episode were horrific. If you took a time to look at the background, I thought they they had the worst direction of the show. For what they've normally had in other episodes where the background have normally been quite strong, knowing what they're doing, a lot of the times it felt, especially when they were running out of the opening scene, it looked like a couple of them didn't know what they were doing or were just there to be background and had been told, oh, run, because some of them looked quite, oh, this is nonchalant. Not like, oh, a blaster has just gone off, we need to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt that in a few scenes that a couple of the background actors kind of were distractingly off or yeah I, I i don't know but from doing background work myself i know that sometimes you do not get the best direction sometimes you are literally told oh just walk it's fine and it was just a small thing it's why i didn't want to bring it up earlier actually because it's not a big thing that detracted from my enjoyment but like i said earlier it's the little things that can ruin things for me i think the fur for the first scene 
I understand why they're more nonchalant. It's one of those backwater, outer rim planets. There's probably a lot of crime. Hearing a blaster go off isn't probably anything new for them. But they edited in the sound of screaming. Absolute yeah. chaos. That's why it was such a juxtaposition from it being like, oh, oh my God, to, oh, we're running. we're running. I don't know if that's a problem with the acting or the sound design, though, of them adding the screaming on. But it was still acting it's, as well. Yeah. So I and I think it was background as well, not looking facially like they knew mm -hmm. what they were doing. Looking, because there's a there's a shot of three being one of them picking one off the ground as they're running out of the fight pit, and the three of them just look perplexed, confused, like they don't know what they're doing. And it, it was, for me, off-putting because I'm like sometimes extra actors, though they're not like the most important in the set, they're still really important yeah totally agree let's move on to the summary it's time for a summary it's time for a summary where jordan summarizes this whole bloody thing so this episode we have a new system I have to do it in five words, the entire episode, in five words. I have these five words. I'm quite happy with it. <laughs> Those five words. I'm quite happy with it. No, that's not the, that's not the five words. I meant I'm quite happy with the five words I've chosen. No, well, it's true. It's true. No, no, it's no, I'm, no, get out of here. Let me do it. Hang on, I'm to mute him. Mute him. Mute him, boys. Tuscan culture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite listeners, happy with this. Him. From uh, Jordan, the Tuscan culture. <laughs> Uh, uh, right, go on, do your do your thing. Come on, you let it out in any way. <laughs> no, maybe I, no. I'm joking. I do <laughs> those five words, and I think you may agree: Tuscan culture and Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. I still prefer the other one. <laughs> that's that's what I took out of this. If you guys can agree or disagree, you're wrong, though. I'm happy <laughs> with it. I'm happy with it. Wait, that's four. Yeah, you, you're, you can't f count. Excuse me, I did A-level math on field. Now, I was going to say, <laughs> as you can tell, none of us are mathematicians here. Hey, I picked five words. Get out of here. I am happy with it. Actually, we did. I am. Uh, uh -huh. we just shortened it you quick. said I'm happy with it, though, Jason. I said I am. I, ap no. Apologies. Okay. That's apologies three. Let's get to your scores on the boards. Yes. So, Jason, as you normally do this last, what is your score on the board? Oh, pickles. Um, <laughs> I, I use you guys as like... A no, no, oh, no, no, no. You always do this last. So, oh, Jason, your score on the board. 87. Jordan, your score on the board. 90. Jonathan, your score on the board. A 78. Get out. Yours is wrong. We just won't count his. No, 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 no. So, so it's, so it's a 100 average. <laughs> I feel like I now have to justify the 78, don't I? No, it's too late. 
you tr- had to justify it in your episode and you didn't yeah you didn't justify it I so at him I on twitter did. i don't have twitter so go ahead at him on our socials yep. and specify that it's specifically for john yep <laughs> oh i just realized that we're reviewing star wars things the most toxic fan base of them all yep yep it's a good thing we're not a big podcast yeah <laughs> Good point, yeah. The moment we're glad we don't have a lot of listeners is the moment. <laughs> but thank you to those who do listen. Yes, thank you for spending time. We oh by the way, we apologize for the two recent episodes. They were long. Oh, oh, yeah, they God. chose they chose to follow us. <laughs> yeah, they were long. It will not happen anymore. We have a system. Because one of us has a timer now. I was supposed to be the timer. From the get-go. I didn't, so blame me. I think that's that's what we agreed, didn't we? Yeah. At the very start. If anything goes wrong, it's your yes. fault, Jason. Yep, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay, I'm, I run the podcast anyway, so... We just turn up and sound presentable. I, I turn up just to annoy everyone. <laughs> See, I, I asked you guys to do it because you're English, and you guys sound like you're smart. Well... So I was like, cool, I'll, I'll have this, and then... <laughs> your presumption is... That was a great misunderstanding of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that in itself. I've just realised something. We haven't done the overall score. Oh, okay. If it's Jason and me, our, the overall score is 88.5 because we don't count John. We got to count him. <laughs> we got to count him. Well, rude. Uh, you have to count me because I am always right. You want to go? <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> Bring it, boy. We've got a lockdown coming. You can't get me. So you have 90. 87 and 78. <clears throat> Doesn't really matter too much. The overall score is 85, the first episode. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with an 85. Yeah. Your score didn't take it down as much as I anticipated. I didn't think it would, and I think maybe I've been a bit too harsh. Because it was so dark at the beginning, and I don't know if it was my laptop, my iPad, what it was, why it was so dark, that really did lower the episode for me because my experience was slightly ruined by that so i don't know if i've been harsh and maybe if i rewatch it and i don't have those problems yeah, it would be fair. higher that's fair enough. okay so hopefully we will be back uh hopefully i keep saying hopefully we will be yeah, back next well, week we are going to be back we haven't got a bloody choice we will be back next week with episode two and um, also on sunday we'll be We'll have our next episode of the film review out where we reviewed Bronson. And yeah, exciting. Okay. Jordan, where can they find the podcast? You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're so inclined, leave us a rate and review. And if you want to come to our home, you'll find us on Anchor. And John, what about the socials? You can find us on facebook at three halves make a whole podcast where you can give us a like comment on our stuff uh or you can find us on twitter and instagram at the uh three halves pod so give us a follow and share our stuff because self-promotion yeah. is horrible <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and may the force be with you